When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hope you had a good weekend. And here we are on Listen Up. And we begin the show with NFL news. And if you are a very talented running back in the National Football League, You're only going to get paid so much. Just ask Saquon Barkley of the Giants, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, and Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys. All three unable to come to terms with a deal. They were all tagged. Pollard is the only one to sign his tag, so he will be playing for the Cowboys. Will Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley be playing for their respective teams? Only time will tell. Neither of those two are expected in training camp. And it's just the way. It's a business. And I know that, you know, Saquon is very upset how things have been portrayed, how things have been leaked, um, you know, that he was tagged. Listen, if these players have a problem with the franchise tag, then don't agree to it in collective bargaining. Plain and simple. You know, the Giants apparently, and again, I don't, no, came up with a contract that gave Barkley a guarantee of over $22 million. Now, because of the franchise tag, all three running backs this season, shall they play? And of course, Pollard will, but if Jacobs and Barkley sign their tags, they will make over $10 million for this season. Now, they cannot be fined if they don't go to camp. Think about that. They they cannot be fined for not going to training camp. And the only way that they will lose money is if they sit out games. The last running back to sit out games was Le'Veon Bell. It's been a while. Been a while. We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, the Raiders aren't going to be very good anyway. Would you agree with that? The Giants made the playoffs last year. You know, without Saquon Barkley, there would be some issues. So we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. But... I mean, again, if you're a running back in the NFL, that's the way it is, right? That's the market. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. The game has changed. You know, it's not Jim Brown. You know, it's not Tony Dorsett. It's not Emmett Smith, okay? 
Those long, those days are long gone. Okay, long gone, long gone. That's not the way the game is played anymore. All right, you know you don't get under center and line up and hand the ball to your running back the way you used to. Now, was was Jacobs? You know, you can make the argument he's the best running back in the NFL. And listen, the Giants don't make the playoffs without Barkley last year. Not even close. Yeah, I don't think they're a 500 team without Saquon Barkley. But there's a hard cap. The Giants gave their quarterback a big deal. And Daniel Jones, you know, the Cowboys gave their quarterback a year earlier a big deal. And Doc Prescott. And I, there's only so much money to go around. All right. There's only so much money to go around. You know, the Giants had to take care of Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. I mean, I, I don't know what else to do if you're a football team. Yeah, it would be nice if your quarterbacks would take less money. But how, how many people in did you see Joe Buck and Troy Aikman take less money at ESPN? What happened? Look at all the play, look at all the people that got laid off. It's pretty much the same concept. Now there's no hard cap at ESPN, but you know you still have a bottom line, right? So same thing in football, same thing in pro sports, but particularly when you have a hard cap. You know if you're going to pay your quarterback those type of numbers, there is less money to go around for everyone else. Now you could make the argument that Daniel Jones would be wise to take less money so that Saquon Barkley could be in the backfield, which makes him look better. So you could make that argument, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, when you say, well, it's a business, you're damn right it's a business. You know, but, but it's also a team sport. And it's very difficult to win a team sport when one of your best players is either completely pissed off or not there because they feel like they're not getting paid what they deserve. That's not real harmonious for a football team. So stay tuned. Again, Pollard, Barkley, Jacobs. And what position do they play? They're the only three players. Think about this. The only three players that this happened to. All running backs. Welcome to the way the game is played and the way the game is structured in 2023. And again, if the players don't like the way it's structured, if they don't like the tags, then don't agree to it in collective bargaining. Don't ratify the agreement. Okay? That's it. That's the system that you agreed to when you ratified the agreement. Can't have it both ways. And listen, I, I'm not going to feel sorry for an athlete who, quote, has to, that's the way the system is, who now has to play a year for $10 million 
Yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly crying over spilled milk over that, okay? You get $10 million? Really? I'm going to feel sorry for you? Uh, I don't think so. Not feeling sorry for you. Yeah, I'm not feeling sorry for you. I'm sorry. So we'll see what happens. But that's, that is the National Football League in a nutshell. That's where we're at. All right. Summer League in the books for the Kings. Are you satisfied with the way their team looks right now? Do you feel they have done enough in the offseason to climb up the rung of the ladder in the West? Sabonis is signed, sealed, and delivered. Long-term deal. Fox has the same deal. Keegan Murray entering year two. Resign Harrison Barnes. Keep Trey Lyles. Get Sasha Vazankov to come over from Europe. Resign Alex Len. Is that enough? Or and also acquire Chris Duarte in a deal from Indiana. Is it good enough? I mean, offensively, I don't, I don't know who's going to stop this team, but they still have the same issues that they had last year. They don't appear to have improved defensively and or rebounding. So, you know, keep that in mind. All right, we say hello to Ryan in Sacktown. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, Grant. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank you. So um, I got to ask, ratifying the agreement, in reality, what does that do? It's, it's the position. Um, yeah, I, I, well, it is the position. I guess what I mean is Barkley and Jacobs were unhappy that they were tagged. I mean, they don't like the franchise tag. They don't like the tags. And I'm just saying, if you don't like them, they don't agree to it in collective bargaining. That's the point I was making. Not necessarily the position they, they're playing. Yeah, because, yeah, no, that makes sense. But, you know, these guys aren't getting paid. I mean, and it's the way the NFL is played right now. You're basically the guy that's kind of in the crap position. If you want to break it down that way, you're passing. When you say they're not getting, when you say they're not getting paid, I mean, they're, they're getting paid. But they're not getting paid like the quarterback. That's for sure. Yeah, comparatively, they are not getting paid. To, you know, DNs, D linemen these days. That's the, you know, second position that's getting big money. So, I mean, it's more of a position problem. I mean, they get their bodies, you know, the whole thing about lifespan, you know, three, four years on average for running back. Now in this offense, they're asked to go out and run passes. So it's kind of by default the same problem the NBA is having with the center position to a degree. A little bit different um, because it's a stylistic thing in the NBA, but in a way, the positions are being phased out. Well, the, the biggest issue in the NFL is there is a concrete hard cap, okay? And there's only so much of the pie to distribute, all right? You can't distribute it, you know, equally, all right? You have, what, 53 players, let's just say. You, you, it, it's very challenging for NFL teams. And that's why, Ryan, we always see – when you draft well at the quarterback position, okay, you like look at Kansas City, for example. They were able to win a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes on a rookie contract. Okay. Then when you have to pay that player, okay, who's the quarterback, 
that's why it's, you know, these teams that win with these young quarterbacks that are able to really accept, like look at Cincinnati as a prime example. Okay, they didn't win a Super Bowl, but they've been very successful with Joe Burrow still under a rookie contract. But one of the reasons why they're so successful is they have the money necessary to go out and take care of the rest of their team because the quarterback is still playing under a rookie deal. When that changes, that then that changes the entire structure of the team salary cap-wise, and that is a big issue. That's why when you're a team like the 49ers and you mess up on a quarterback, okay, which they've done now with Trey Lance, or when you look at the Bears – who messed up on Mitchell Trubisky, okay, when these quarterbacks were awful or did not get the job done on rookie contracts, I mean, not only do you waste your draft pick, but assuming that they get good later on in their career, which with Trubisky, it didn't happen. Lance, we still really don't know as he enters his third season. Boy, it presents a lot of problems for an NFL team, big-time problems. No, it absolutely does, Grant. Um, but, you know, you talk about there's only so much money to go around. It wasn't 15 years ago that when you're talking about who's getting the bigger piece of the pie, it was the running backs. They were always considered towards that top tier, per se. And they're so integral to what some of these offenses do. You made a perfect example about take Saquon away from Daniel Jones. Is Daniel going to look more exposed? Um, but yet they're not appreciated. They're not appreciated financially or they're not getting their fair market value. In my eyes, you look at Christian McCaffrey, he's at the top of the list this year. I think he's like 12 or 13 million a year. That seems low to me. Although the tag is 10. So Saquon, what do you do there? But it's just skewed. And I, I guess really what it is, is it's plug and play for running backs coming straight out of the draft and it's just an endless wheel. And that's the winning formula. And then, you know, look at the running backs that are still unsigned, like Dalvin cook, who was released yeah. by the Minnesota Vikings. You know, I mean, think about that. Um, Leonard Fournette still available. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott still available to me. Dalvin cook is the best of the bunch based on what I saw, you know, last year. But again, they're still right now with training camp starting this week. They're not on a roster. Exactly. And, you know, those guys, Grant, they need to meet in the middle because the numbers that they have in their head are not going to be coming. But I still think they probably deserve a little bit more than what's being offered. And Saquon would be a perfect example of that. And, you know, if you're him and I'll pass this to you as a Giants fan, I can't blame the guy for turning down 22 million because it's only a one year deal. What if he goes out and shreds his knee up? then he's going to be like uh, Ezekiel Elliott that could be considered a little bit more worn out, but yet a, you know, good star in the league, possibly. Well, the Giants offered him a multi-year deal, not just a one-year deal, and he did not accept it. It was a a deal that would have, in totality, given him a guarantee. And again, this has been what's reported. I don't know if it's true or not, because Barkley keeps on saying that the things that are being reported are untrue, but the number was more than a year and he actually would have gotten paid a little bit more per year if it accepted the deal, but he's hung up on the guaranteed money and they weren't able to get a deal done. So uh, it's, boy, it's a tough business in the national football league because you look at the giants last year, the feel good story along with the Seahawks, really, when you think about what they did in the NFL and the, in the NFC, And Geno Smith for Seattle was amazing. You know, Saquon Barkley for the Giants was able to stay healthy and played very well. 
and you look at what he did for the Giants. But they, but again, it's a very difficult scenario for both. And and so, what do you do now if you're Josh Jacobs of the Raiders and you're Saquon Barkley? If you don't go to training camp, you're not going to get fined. So the teams can't do anything. You're only going to lose money if you don't show up for games. So conceivably, they could both wait, okay, until the week before the first game, sign your tag, walk into the building, and then what happens? Well, they're really not ready to play in week one. What happens? That ends up hurting your team because you're without a valuable asset. You know, you know this very well. Uh, you know, every game in the NFL is huge. Yep. So if the, the, then you're more susceptible to injury. I mean, there's no, there's nothing good that happened today if you're a Raiders fan or you're a fan of the Giants. At least Pollard signed his his tag, so he's under a different, you know, he, he'll be in camp and he will play. And we know how valuable he is to Dallas. I mean, he was so good that, the, that he made Ezekiel Elliott expendable. So right. I, I don't know where to go from here. I, I just know if you're a Giants fan today or a Raiders fan, you're like, oh boy, right? You haven't even started training camp, and you're already like, oh boy, you know, this is this is just not good. Period. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, those are those are two guys for both teams that need to be on the field with those quarterbacks. Um, I, I think that there's there's a very small margin of air for those guys compared to your Patrick Mahomes and your upper echelon stars. So it is important for them, and it's it's big for the position too as a whole. Yep. Who's going to want to play running back? anymore if you see this trend continue um but it'll be interesting because you hit the nail on the head about saquon you know you come in let's say he does come in week one then he's more susceptible to injury and that could drill things further so something to track indeed here's the other deal here's the other deal if you want to look at the giants last year they had a new head coach new general manager and they were a very harmonious team right they were you know, they were the feel good story. They week one, they went for a two point conversion to beat Tennessee and they got the ball rolling. They had a very good year. There were no distractions yet. They're playing in New York. All right. So now what's going to happen? First day of training camp, you know, when Daniel Jones becomes available to the media. All right. How do you feel? Uh, there wasn't enough money left after you sign your deal to take care of your running back. Do you regret, you know, I mean, you know how it is yeah. every day. Yeah. There's going to be, it's good. It's going to fall on Daniel Jones. And if he plays poorly in New York, it's going to be, well, you know, see, that's what happened. You took all the money and there wasn't enough money left over to pay your running back. And because of it, you end up suffering. You know, it's just it's there's nothing really good that can happen from this. There really isn't. Yeah. So I have a counter question to that, but I do want to say this. The Giants are in that similar position to the Kings. This year is extremely important. It's going to be the year that either slingshots them forward or they take that step back to where they were at. Um, How does that play out, Grant, in the locker room? I know that football is a little bit different than basketball, but, you know, are those feelings that, hey, you shouldn't have taken that much. So we had guy A, guy B. I've never experienced that in an NBA locker room. And there are so many loopholes to the NBA salary cap. There aren't those loopholes in the NFL, but I've never sensed that. And in talking to players about that, and I have talked to some players over the years, I never got that sense. 
So I'll answer the question, no, it really doesn't happen in the NBA. In the NFL, I do believe it happens. Absolutely. I absolutely do believe it happens. I mean, listen, if you're Saquon Barkley, okay, you can say anything you want about it being a business. But if you're Saquon Barkley and you're in a, and you're in a room with Saquon and everything you say cannot leave that room and you go, Saquon, how do you feel about Daniel Jones getting over 40 or getting $40 million a year. I'm rounding out the numbers. Okay. Yeah. And you're getting, and you're getting paid. If you sign your tag 10 plus million this year. Right. I mean, how could Saquon Barkley based on what he did for the team last year, walk in without any resentment? I mean, I don't think he would be human if he could. I, I would probably be saying our salary should be reversed because you probably wouldn't be getting 40 if I wasn't doing what I was doing beside you or had some of the opportunities to shine. Granted, Jones took advantage of those. So uh, it'll be interesting, especially with New York. Maybe Aaron Rodgers takes a little bit of pressure media-wise off of that. But um, Kings really quick. Uh, any initial ending thoughts coming out of summer league? None. I mean, I don't really put any stock in the summer league at all. I just don't. Um, it's I, I don't know what else to say. I I have very rarely the only time I have used summer league as a barometer is if you have a lottery pick and they played poorly in summer league. That's the only that's the only time I look at summer league and use it in any way, shape, or form to evaluate what I think is going to happen with an individual during the regular season. And the Kings didn't have a lottery pick this year. They didn't have a first-round pick. And so from their perspective, there's nothing that happened in summer league that I really look at. I mean, I know Kessler Edwards played. You had the second-round draft picks. But in terms of a lottery pick, I mean, I can look at teams that did have lottery picks and try to evaluate how they played. I mean – there was some real concern about how Brandon Miller was playing for Charlotte. I mean, that's yeah. legitimate. He was this. He was the second player taken in the draft. So, but the Kings weren't in that situation this year. This was they didn't have a Thomas Robinson. They didn't have a Jimmer Fredette. They didn't have a Marvin Bagley. I mean, I can go on and on. So, no. Yeah. Did you have any? You taken anything away from summer league? Uh, one thing I've taken away is development. I like how the team is developing young talent, uh, mostly in Stockton. I mean, we've seen some of these guys, Kata, now uh, Ford, you know, they're they're sticking with these guys and they're developing them to guys that you could possibly see on two-way contracts or maybe coming up at times um, with the Kings. And before that, it was just kind of a rotating door. It was a new roster every single year. So it's nice to see guys – sticking around a little bit and having some some success. Uh, Bomb was pretty impressive, uh, would fit into the offense nicely. Obviously, a long ways to go there. But um, I, I thought that was encouraging because when you see yeah. everything being ran synchronously like that throughout the franchise, considering who's the assistant GM in Stockton, um, you know, that that's a good sign to me for franchise health. Well, okay, so... I agree with you that developing young talent is a positive, and I get all of that. But the reality is that doesn't mean anything to your success or lack thereof. Your 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 players on two-way contracts don't really make a difference in your bottom line of how many games you win or how many games you lose. So I don't really pay attention to that. To me, you win and lose in the NBA with your top eight or nine guys. 
All right, that's where that you may get a game where a Rashawn Holmes, if you remember last year against the Lakers, when yep. I believe Sabonis and one other Sick. guy yeah. down, yeah, and he, and he had the best game of his year, and you could make the argument the Kings don't win that game without him. There are there are times throughout the season where that will happen, but that's a rarity. Your 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 players on two way contracts don't help you win or lose games and your players on the G league and there are exceptions. And so we can sit here and we can name them, but for the most part, you know, the players that are playing on the Stockton Kings aren't going to make any difference to whether the Kings are good or not next year or how many games they win. It's really not relevant. Yes. It's good. It's nice to have good young players through the pipeline. And yes, there are times when a player from the G league ends up playing in the NBA and ends up being a really good player. Okay. That does happen, but it's a rarity. Yeah, I, I, I guess I was kind of likening it to the Miami Heat. You know, a lot of undrafted guys. Like Gabe Vincent, yep. right? There's one for yep. you. Uh, if we're going right. to you know, start naming names. So, yeah, they're not going to make a huge impact. But it, it's good to see that uh, Kessler Edwards, let's put it that way. Everybody's like, who's this guy coming in? How did we even get him for nothing? And he gives us a boost on defense. He gets into the rotation at the end of the year, makes a little yep. bit of noise in the playoffs defensively. Now yep. he gets a summer to develop with them. Um, so I, I just like that. Yes. They're, yeah, it's a positive. So that's what I like from it. Yeah, they're not going to change the game. But when you're when you're developing players, you know, I, that's good. Keegan Murray, everybody's making a big deal about the Kawhi Leonard thing uh the comparison and what it is is just the jump he's making not he's playing like why but you know they're they're really tuning in with these guys they know what they want them to do and what they need them to do to be successful and that's kind of been my perspective right and i think the 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 other aspect of this keegan murray really wants to be successful spending most of the summer in sacramento Yep. is doing everything that is, is being asked of him and more. So he is 100% on board, wants to be a tremendous player, has that drive to be that player. Not everyone is like that. So that's another positive with Keegan Murray. Not only did they draft a very talented player out of Iowa, but they drafted uh, someone that has all of the intangibles. You know, he's basically a Harrison Barnes clone in that regard. And that is just unbelievable to have a young player as talented as he is and, and have the right perspective, the right outlook and what it means to be a professional. And I think part of that was the age when he came into the league, he's more mature. Yeah. You know, he's not 19 years old. It makes a huge difference. Yes. You hit the nail on the head. It, it, it's more experienced. And even you go back to Halliburton, um, same kind of yep. thing, guy that had the intangibles. So they're starting to scout out that sty style of player that they want to where the player is not molding to the system. It's this is a system player. This is what we're looking for. So I'm really now, we, excited that, about that. Yep, I am too. And and this is not uh, – this is the same. We saw it last year with Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. When Devin Booker got hurt last year, the Phoenix Suns could barely – win a game okay and i gotta believe that if the aaron fox goes down for any period of time i think the kings will be in the same boat i just do not see anyone on their roster right now that is going to be able to run the team enough to win games and i'm sorry davion mitchell has a role but again think about this 
How much confidence does the coach have in him where he only played eight minutes in a, in a winner-take-all game seven after playing very well? That does not bode very well for me if I'm looking at the backup position at the point guard. So I still think that is an issue. And I still think, by the way, Mitchell has a role on this team. And as he enters his third year, you're looking for him to make that stride. But we can't we can't forecast something that we haven't seen yet. I can't just all of a sudden say, well, you know, he's going into his third year, so don't worry about it. He's going to be that much better offensively. I'm not I'm not prepared to say that. It's a show me league. It's not a, you know, don't don't tell me, show me. So I think that is a big issue. And obviously, it goes without saying with Sabonis. I mean, you know, they, they really must have him on the floor for the bulk of the games, too. But that makes me a little nervous because last year the Kings were third in the West while everyone around them had injuries galore. They didn't. And, you know, you just got to wonder what happens if either Fox or Sabonis miss a month or so. What does that do to the win total? It doesn't look too good to me. Well, you have to have that. You have to have that third guy, the the guy you divert to, if something like that happens, and have the confidence yep. that he can carry you through. And in a perfect world, that is what they are molding Keegan Murray to do. And that is the step that Keegan is going to have to take to where now we're not yep. looking at Davion to, you know, be a Chris Paul like point guard that's distributing and really involved in the flow of the offense. He can stick to his lane. But then you've got a Keegan that is being more aggressive. Uh, I, I'm going to throw this out yep. there just stylistically. A Jason Tatumish player that can shoot from behind the arc but can also get to the rim. Somebody that can now use their body, be a little bit more physical to where if Fox goes out, guess what? Keegan can step up in that scoring range and he can create his own shot. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, you still need somebody to run the offense, and I'm not so sure – you know, I think what you're referring to is what we hear the term point forward, you know, which Kawhi Leonard was really able to do a lot of. I don't know. We'll see. It's a very, you know, I, I think a lot of people when caught when uh, uh, Kawhi won in Toronto, I think people also forgot how good Kyle Lowry was that year. He was outstanding. Great point. Uh, particularly in the playoffs. He was great. I mean, he you could, you could make the argument he was as valuable as anybody on that team. So we'll see. You know, it's all part of, you know, there, there are very few teams that can lose their starting point guard and not feel the effect of it. Memphis was one. You know, if you look at the year before and all the games that Morant missed, um, that's because Trey Jones was so, or Tyus Jones, excuse me, was so good. I mean, he was outstanding. They, they didn't they didn't lose a beat. Very few teams can say that. Very few teams can lose an all-star caliber point guard and not lose a beat. Memphis was one of those teams. Yeah, exactly, Grant. And really the way that the Kings are made up now, since they're basically running it back short of any other moves that could get made, the Kings are going all in on positionless basketball. And that yes, starts from one to five. And that starts with Sabonis. He, I mean, the, the book is out on how to guard him and how to shake him up. You give him a little bit of space yep. and you confuse him and you take away the passing lane. Only way you're going to fix that is with a perimeter jump shot. And so if the Kings are able to play positionless basketball, then that takes the pressure off of the traditional roles that we're speaking of with the Davions and such. So that's going to be the thing that I really want to look for. And I want to see how Sasha kind of figures into that as well, because I think the Kings can do it, but it's going to take players improving their games and doing some things they weren't doing last year. Well, I made a comment on my rant this morning the last time there was this much optimism around a Kings team was back in the early 2000s. I mean, I think uh, 
uh, it's pretty obvious. Kings fans can't wait for opening night already and what's yeah. in store for this team. They they have a chance to be really, really good. But, um, yes, you're right. It is positionless basketball. That looks good on paper and everything. Let's see how Mike Brown puts it all together and how he's going to use Sasha and, you know, what role will Sasha have and what role will Chris Duarte have? I mean, at the last time yeah. I looked, you can only have five guys on the floor at once. And, you know, Mike Brown's not afraid to use 10 or 11 guys in a game. You know, we saw that last year. I mean, he's not afraid to use different guys. But, you know, you wonder with a Chris Duarte now, who played so well in his first year, did not play well last year, and a lot of it was due to injuries, what happens to Davion Mitchell's minutes? I mean, you have Fox, you have Herter, you have Malik Monk. I mean, how many guys can you play in the backcourt? It's very true. And, you know, maybe that's where if Duarte does show up and he has a solid year like he did the first year. And don't take for granted the connection he has with Sabonis. Um, he had a big connection with him on the court. Yep. Yeah, the two-man yep. game and then off the court as well. They were very close. And those were the yep. that was the year he had his best numbers. But, you know, maybe that moves Davion into more of a specialist role. Like you said, Mike will play a lot of guys, but, you know, they've got to pull the ball out first and see what they have in this current form. But the expectations are high from this city. Everybody, like you said, the excitement is palpable. Usually we're waiting to kick off football at this time of the year and we can't wait for the Hall of Fame game, but it's all Kings right now. And I think there's going to be some bumps in the road because this is a much different Western Conference should teams stay healthy. But it, it's going to be a fun ride. I think this is a huge hype season, and we'll see if they live up to it. Well, the other issue is you can always make trades. And if your players are good, they're coveted by other teams. And so, you know, that's part of it as well. So it's interesting that Indiana basically gave up on Chris Duarte. They gave up on him. I mean, they traded yeah. him for nothing. So that that's, that's also a little puzzling to me. Normally, teams don't give up uh, good players for nothing. They gave him up for nothing. Well, he also it, it was kind of a situation, I think, also where Tyre, or, uh, Halliburton had the ball a lot. And, you know, what's Duarte going to do when he's in his minutes short of them being on the floor at separate times? So uh, we'll see how he pans out for Sack. Uh, the one thing that I would say about the team coming into this season is this is going to be a team that's going to have to hit it right off the bat. Um, I don't see this in, when I say hit it off the bat, I mean, offensively, um, they have the ability to make trades. Like you said, that's the safety net. Monty has contracts that would be, um, pretty appealing to some other teams that may in position to make a run for the title, but the Kings have to prove right off the bat that the offense yep. is still there. Cause that's the only way that they're going to be winning ball games. Cause all this talk about defense, it's not happening. It's not just happening. not. No. It, it is not offense, nope. offense, offense. Yep. So that's the thing. Well, I don't know. You, well, I mean, they just got better offensively. I don't. I don't. I don't see how you look at this team and say they didn't get better offensively. So good hearing from you, buddy. Uh, appreciate yeah, you it, too. and uh, enjoy the rest of your Monday. All right. Talk to you soon, Nick. All right. Good stuff right there. Hey, folks, I want to talk to you about Z-Biotics. Let's face it, after a night with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. i got to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day. That is until I found Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink 
alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night. Drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. And again, I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then I was at a birthday party. Uh, my buddy and his wife had rented out a restaurant, and I had a couple of drinks, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot tonight. And you know what, folks? Believe me, it is the real deal. Vacations, weddings, birthdays, reunions. Hey, there's so much going on, right? Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. Go to zbiotics.com slash grant to get 15% off your first order when you use grant at checkout. Zbiotics is back with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, go to zbiotics.com slash grant. Use the code grant at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Good lead off, and we get to uh, some other phone calls, and we say hello to John. Hey, John, how are you? Grant, I'm good. John, how what's are going you? on? Good, buddy. You, how was your weekend? Everything you good down in, uh, so, everything good in SoCal? Oh, man, it was such a freaking fun trip, Grant. And uh, thanks for asking about that, too, keeping me in mind about that. And Steve, too, he's right next to me listening. And I uh, appreciate everything, you know, all the good words that I've I've heard said about, you know, from your crew there and everything. And uh, the show was freaking awesome. There wasn't a whole good. ton of people there but because it was on a Thursday night. But, man, there's going to be a few more shows. There's going to be a huge one coming in January at a different venue that holds a few thousand people instead of a few hundred. But man, it was just, it was just a ton of fun, man. Just a ton of fun. And uh, I was so glad I was able to make it down there. And we took the round trip. I came up the coast. So I went swimming in the mighty Pacific and a few different places. There you go. And Oh yeah, it was great. And considering how it was 110 here in the Valley, it was only 73 at the ocean and the water where I was at was 68. So wow, could not have been better for, for a quick little weekend trip. It, it couldn't have been better, man. It was really fun. Well, I don't know about the 68 degree water. I'm not going swimming in the ocean when the water's 68 degrees, but that's just me. Well, Hey, when you, when you're used to it being up here and it's 56, 55 or 56, 68 seems hot. Grant, <laughs> when I was in it, Grant, I forgot how much I loved it down there and just a handful of degrees of differential. I mean, I could have stayed in there for hours and hours. I didn't have the time, but I could have stayed in there for hours. I didn't bring a surfboard or anything, but I just went some swimming, did some body surfing and everything like that. But man, it was good for you, buddy. Fun. Man, thanks good for asking. For hey, and that's hey, great hearing from, great hearing from Ryan also. Um, tons of great insight from that guy all the time. I'm glad you guys yep. brought up Chris Duarte. He's the one guy that I want to see who's going to be on our team. I believe he's going to get some minutes who, like you guys said, he was given up on. You know, he was given up on in Indiana, kind of like Kessler was given up on in New York. And Mike Brown uh-huh. found a niche for him. And I believe that he's going to find a spot, a spot for Duarte, too. And it, and if he doesn't, he's not going to stick with it and say, oh, man, I got to make this work. He will sit him down. So I, I think any any move that um, Monty makes and, you know, there's no way that Coach Brown isn't in on the discussion. You know, they got to be because they're collaborating on putting a good yeah, of course. team together. 
I think they're going to work on it well together. And hey, if it doesn't work, it's not without effort. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to the King season. And hey, we all know it could be 38 wins or it could be 55 wins. It's still, it's, yep. it's, any, yep. it could be anywhere. I doubt, if, I doubt if it's, you know, I doubt if it's in the 30s. I doubt if it's in the 60s. But man, if we're still in the high 40s and low 50s, Yep. We're still on the right track, man. And it it's just going to be such a fun season. And now that football's right around the corner, you know, tip-off is going to be after that. And then October, everything goes on in October. Yep. Hockey, baseball, you got that basketball, right. football, underwater, yep. basket weaving, everything, Grant. <laughs> John, good hearing from you, buddy. Thanks, buddy. I'll call you later in the week. Take care. Uh, you know, he's right. Kessler Edwards was really, you know, not – Brooklyn – not able to fit in there and uh, the Kings picked them up and they got a, a, a player that, you know, looks like he can help the team. And so we'll see, you know, again, we can get a Chris Duarte for basically nothing. Um, you know, to me, that's a absolute no brainer. All right. If you want to get in on the program, all you got to do is uh, hit the hand icon and we'll do it again. Lead story today has to do with the NFL and not a good day. If you're Tony Pollard, so Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs, and you're a running back. Pollard signed uh, his tag. Barkley and Jacobs have not. They're not expected to be in training camp. Also, the Open Championship is uh, underway this week. Round one beginning on Thursday. How about Steph Curry at the Celebrity Golf Tournament yesterday? Wow. It's pretty amazing, huh? Getting the eagle on 18. You know, the whole key with 18 is to drive. It's not a long par five. And with the altitude, so getting on the green in two because of the pines is it's all about the placement of your drive. And then after that, you know, it's not that difficult of a par five, relatively speaking. All right. You got Lake Lambeer on the left. But, you know, he made it in two and made that great eagle eagle putt. What happened to Marty Fish on the 18th was awful. I mean, just terrible. You know, I, how someone would scream like that in someone's back, backswing is just awful. I mean, it really is. So, um, you know, people say, gee, you know, golf is the only sport where it needs to be quiet. Well, that's not true. And that's it's not true twofold, okay? Like at the uh, Phoenix Open, all right. When you get to the stadium hole on the 16th, it's never quiet, but it's a constant noise. So if you're playing golf with noise, that's a non-issue. But it is an issue when it's completely quiet. And then all of a sudden, an individual screams in your backswing. That's totally different. You know, if Marty Fish had walked up to the 18th that everyone is you know, talking and hollering, that's not an issue. That wouldn't affect your swing in any way, shape, or form. Again, I use the 16th at Phoenix, okay, as an example. It's never quiet on that hole. And it doesn't affect the players in any way, shape, or form because the noise is constant. Big difference. You know, people made that point. Well, gee, you know, it has to be completely silent. No, it doesn't have to be completely silent. But you can't have it completely silent. And then all of a sudden, one idiot scream can't have that. That would be true in tennis as well. 
You could play tennis where everybody was noisy. Wouldn't make any difference at all to the players. But if it's completely quiet, and then in the toss of your serve, somebody yells out, it's going to affect it. It's going to affect your, your, your play. Speaking of tennis, boy, what a great match that was yesterday at Wimbledon. I mean, that was incredible. You know, Carlos Alcaraz of Spain and Novak Djokovic, that was an amazing tennis match. I missed the first set. And when I turned it on, it was just the start of the second set. I'm like, God, I can't believe Novak just won 6-1. I'm like, wow. And then he was up 3-0. He was up 3-love in the tiebreaker. And, you know, lost. You know, you're thinking, okay, Novak gets to the tiebreaker, set two, wins the first three points, and loses the tiebreaker 8-6. And that's where the match turned, right there. Great tennis match yesterday. I really enjoyed uh, watching that. That was really good stuff. Good stuff. Outstanding. All right, tomorrow, just to throw this ahead at you a little bit, uh, I am going to be doing an open forum over on YouTube at 7 o'clock. All right? So 7 o'clock Pacific time, 10 o'clock East Coast. That is tomorrow at 7 o'clock over on YouTube if you don't like that. All right? Again, summertime, not a lot going on. We'll find things to talk about. I like the open forum because you can ask me anything you want. So we'll do that tomorrow over on YouTube if you don't like that. When I say not a lot going on, I mean, I'm aware of golf. I'm aware of tennis. But really, what moves the needle in the United States is football. Training camp's going to start, which is good. You know, again, what's a good training camp? A good training camp is a team that doesn't suffer any significant injuries. That's a good training camp. Okay, I don't give a damn how your quarterback looks or this guy looks. or I don't care about that. You know, a good training camp is a training camp where you don't lose players. That's a good training camp. All right, we say hello to Zach right here on this Monday. Hi, Zach. Hey, I had a question. I had never got to ask you this at the time. What do you think of the whole thing about when ESPN fired Jeff Van Gundy? Awful. I think Chris Russo was right. Chris Russo, Mad Dog Russo, uh, thinks it came from the league office, and I can't disagree with Chris. It wouldn't surprise me at all because Van Gundy is very critical on the air of the referees and everything else. There's no way in the world that you wouldn't keep Jeff Van Gundy. I mean, it, there had to be something more to that. Do you think – how much do you think Adam Silver had to do with that? It wouldn't surprise me if it had everything to do with it. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Because it really sucks because it's like Jeff Van Gundy – other than like uh, Mike Green and Mark Jackson. I mean, he was just very knowledgeable. You know, he was just, his commentary during the games was like, you know, very enjoyable to listen to. And it just kind of sucks to see like a commentator of that stature to get laid off for just maybe being too critical of the league. It's like, what? I believe that was the case. I mean, you can't justify to me why else Jeff Van Gundy would not be retained. I think he's the best analyst that the sport has, and it makes zero sense. Makes zero sense to me. Do you see, like, because obviously Mike Green, him, and Jackson would do games a lot together as a three-man panel. Do you see, like, uh, ESPN, like, replacing him with a third guy or just keep it Jeff and Gunny Jackson? Or Mike uh, well, if they, re- if, they, if they replace him with a third person, they got to pay that third person, correct? 
And yeah. if they replace him with a third person, I got to move that person. You know, I heard Doris Burke. I personally think Doris Burke, Mike Breen, and Mark Jackson. First of all, I think a three-man booth or a three-person booth is awful in basketball. I mean, it's it, the game is not conducive to a three-man booth. And to the credit, you know, Breen, Jackson, and Van Gundy made it work. But I've never understood the concept of three voices during a basketball game. I think it's absurd. And I think it would be better to just keep it as a two-person booth. That's my take. I mean, I would say, like, as far as, like, what you said, like, I agree with that. I think um, as far as, like, a two-man versus three-man, I think Mike Green, Jeff and Gunny, and Jackson did it very, very well. But yes, as they did. But as far as, like, other uh, broadcasts that I've seen, I don't think anything compares to what they were able to do. Agreed. But obviously – I agree. If you were to throw in a third person, whether it's a man or a woman, I think they would have to like, obviously, you know, be very in sync. I agree. I'm with you 100. Uh, percent I've I've never understood that, and I've never. I, I don't know why that is attempted still, but those three, to their credit, did make it work. Now I don't know how old you are, but long time ago on college basketball, you had Dick Enberg with Billy Packer and Al McGuire. And they did college basketball and they were all three legends. I mean, they were legends and they did a incredible job as a three man booth on college basketball. It was great. I mean, it was, it was, it was as good as it got, but that, that was, that did not happen very often. I thought I read something somewhere that said like part of the reason of letting Jeff and good, I was, well, maybe it wasn't so much that, but like, I guess maybe some people kind of got tired of like Mark Jackson and Jeff and Gunny kind of going at it so much. And then like Mike Breen being the mediator. What, what do you think about that? I don't think so. I think that's what made it entertaining. And I think that's what it made, uh, made it so good. So I don't, I don't know about that. I, that was, I just, I don't, I, I don't know if we'll ever really find out the truth, but you know, I can't, I, I think Chris Russo came up with a pretty damn good reason. It makes a lot of sense to me. So you, you don't think there's any possible way that, TNT could hire on Jeff Gundy as a commentator. I didn't say that. Um, I, I didn't say that. I mean, I'll tell you well, this. If Jeff Van, well, if Jeff, I'll, I'll answer the question this way. If Jeff Van Gundy does not end up on TNT, then that tells you that it came from the league office. Because if you're TNT and you have Jeff Van Gundy available and you don't hire him, that's just absurd. Wow, so it's almost like the league is blocking him. From, that, that's B, that's BS, right? I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Well, let's wait and see what happens. Let's wait and see what happens. All right, sweet. Thank you for your time. My pleasure, Zach. Thank you very much for calling the show. Interesting. Hey, again, don't forget tomorrow, 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern, over on my YouTube channel, if you don't like that. Really appreciate everybody listening today. Good questions. And uh, I hope you enjoy your Monday evening. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye, everybody.